This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. Most public schools are available to any student living within the school's jurisdiction, but a number of public schools, known as exam schools, are reserved for those who score high on an entrance exam. Exam schools are prevalent in other parts of the world, but in the United States, they are relatively few in number, and they have come under increasing criticism by those who see them as exclusive reservoirs for upper-middle-class, usually white families. The city of Boston enrolls quite a number of students in its exam schools, and there's increasing attention being given to the admission policies at these schools. One question that comes up is, are the examinations themselves fair? Do they actually identify the appropriate students who should be eligible to go to that exam school, or are they discriminatory? Joshua Goodman and Melanie Rusinski have taken a close look at this question in a report they have prepared for the Rappaport Institute at the Harvard Kennedy School. And I'm pleased to have Joshua Goodman, an associate professor at the Kennedy School, with me today on the Education Exchange. Josh, thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thanks for having me, Paul. Well, you and your colleague, Melanie Rusinski, have taken a careful look at the admission exams that students must take if they wish to get into uh, one of these exam schools. But before digging into your analysis, let me first ask about exam schools. Uh, how many of them are there in Boston? In Boston, there are three exam schools, uh, the Boston Latin School, the Boston Latin Academy, and the O'Brien School. Uh, and admission, the, those schools uh, first admit students starting in seventh grade. So the, the process for getting into those schools is that students are asked to take uh, an exam, a separate exam called the Independent Schools uh, uh, Entrance Exam, or IC for short. Uh, and then the application to those exam schools consists of your score on that IC exam, your GPA from, I believe, fifth and the beginning of sixth grade, and uh, your ranking of which of those three schools you most prefer. And then the schools basically weight your exam score plus your GPA. Each of those gets a 50% weight, and then students are ranked and the, uh, according to those criteria, and then offered admission on the basis of where they rank in that list and which schools they express interest yeah, so in. So this is a lot of fuss over three schools. Is this a significant uh, number of students in Boston so that I, are being affected by I this? I think the attention is for two reasons. One is that these schools are large. So uh, these three schools in total enroll about 25% of Boston public school students in those grades. So they're large. Well, what percent was that again? 25%. 25%. So yes. a quarter of the students in Boston are going to an exam school after seventh grade, right? This, uh, this or, or starting in, in seventh starting grade. Starting in starting seventh grade, 25% right. of the students in seven through 12 are in, in one of these three schools. How many other schools are there serving that population? Do you have any idea? That's a good question. There are dozens, but I'm not sure how many dozens. So th these must be very big schools relative the, to the other schools. How did they get so big? Do you have any idea? You know, I, I don't know the history of these schools. Uh, I'm a New Yorker born and bred, so I'm a little bit of, you know, I've, I've lived in, I've lived in the, the Boston area only for a decade now, so I'm still, I'm still a relative newcomer uh, relative to many of the Yeah, so there, there are three, three schools, but there are lots of students, and uh, 
uh, and 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 does everybody then take this independent exam, or is this a no. voluntary thing? That's right. So that's part of the report we put out was um, uh, Boston Public Schools and the Rappaport Institute here at the Kennedy School were interested in studying uh, diversity in those schools, particularly the Boston Latin School, in part because the student bodies at, at the Boston Latin School, uh, the student body doesn't really reflect the diversity of the Boston public school system. Uh, and so when you say it doesn't reflect it, what, what percentage is it in, in yes. terms of ethnicity? So the Boston Latin <laughs> School, I believe, is uh, roughly 21% uh, black or Hispanic whereas the district as a whole is closer to 70% black or Hispanic. So um, there have been a lot of headlines in recent years, both about the lack of diversity and also about uh, a school environment that uh, black and Hispanic students did not necessarily feel welcome in. Uh, and so the Boston Public Schools, to their credit, wanted to share data on the sort of pipeline into these schools to figure out if there was a way in that pipeline to improve uh, to improve that admissions process. So now I understand that you can go to this uh, one of these schools even if you're not in the public school system in elementary school. So uh, how many students are there in Boston who are going to school in Boston? And what's the racial composition of that enlarged student body? Do you happen to know that? You know, uh, I don't have those numbers offhand. Off what I do know is, so you're absolutely right. Uh, students uh, can apply to these exam schools, whether they're in the Boston Public Schools at the time of application or whether they're in charter schools or private or parochial schools. Um, but even accounting for those schools uh, and the students in those uh, non-traditional, you know, uh, schools that are not traditional public schools, uh, the Boston, Boston Latin School, excuse me, the Boston Latin School still does not really resemble the demographic makeup of the student population of Boston as a whole. Right, but it would be probably somewhat less extreme because you would assume that uh, at least the private schools will have a higher percentage white enrollment. That's absolutely true. Um, and, but part of our goal in this report was to document very carefully uh, sort of where in the pipeline uh, the district loses students, particularly students of color, in the application process. Because as you said, or as you, as you began to point out, the, the entrance exam that students have to take to these exam schools is voluntary. So sort of the first step of the process is that a student has to choose to take this exam. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. But it's, it, it requires students to, uh, on a Saturday, go to a site that is generally not their typical school site. Um, and as we document in this brief, it almost certainly requires students to do a tremendous amount of out-of-school preparation because the curriculum tested on this exam is not particularly well aligned with the curriculum we believe is being taught in the Boston Public Schools or being tested according to state standards that we think so is, schools are So uh, is following. this the curriculum that's being taught in the private schools in Boston? That's a very interesting question. It's not clear. It's not clear whether private schools are teaching this curriculum uh, or, uh, well, we certainly have plenty of anecdotal evidence that uh, many students who take this entrance exam are doing extra preparation through after-school tutoring, either private tutoring or um, sort of after-school tutoring centers that do group lessons. So it, it, I think one of the things that was striking to us in this brief is that it seems a little bit odd to have an entrance exam for public schools that 
is not aligned with the curriculum that you are actually assigning necessarily in earlier grades in those public schools. So the, do the people who um, are at these exam schools, do they give a reason as to why they uh, prefer the independent exam? That's a, it's a really good question. Uh, so we didn't systematically explore that in any way, but I, uh, I imagine what they say, and I've, I've certainly seen sort of comments to this effect, is that, um, uh, that this independent schools entrance exam tests a, a wide variety of topics, including some fairly advanced ones, that though they may not be part of the uh, typical public school curriculum, uh, teachers and families in the exam schools sort of still think of as a measure of merit that they would like students to know prior to entering, or at least they take it as an indication that the student is, is uh, academically skilled. I think part of the point of our brief was to say, um, again, it seems a little bit odd to be admitting students on the basis of things that, that you don't consider a criteria in your actual public school system, and that we have another exam, the MCAS, which all students take in fifth grade, or at least all public school students take, um, which we think is a pretty high quality exam and is also pretty well capable of of evaluating students and, you know, frankly, ranking them and, and identifying who are the top 5, 10, 25 percent. Uh, of course, if you relied on the MCAS, which is administered in the classroom uh, by the teacher, I would think, uh, typically, uh, what's to prevent cheating from taking place? Because every teacher might have an incentive to make sure that they could show that they're students were getting into the exam school and they might yeah, provide so, some so assistance. So there are a lot of high stakes associated with the MCAS exam already for schools and there's never been any systematic evidence of cheating in Massachusetts. So I would not be concerned. Well, there's this. plenty of evidence in Chicago. There's yeah, very there good are, study There are a small number of corrupt school districts where that's happened, but it's never a very large number of tests and uh, we've never had any evidence from this state of that yeah, going on. Yeah, but all of a sudden you're raising the stakes enormously here for performance on the MCAS is going to become an entrance into an exam school, and a lot of parents are yeah. uh, really eager to but do so then, that. So then the question is, why do you expect that to be any worse than on the current exam, right? So, so right now the district gives two exams, the MCAS and this independent school's entrance well, exam. Well, who is administering the independent exam? Uh, I don't know how it is proctored, but I have no reason to believe it is proctored any more carefully but than the MCAS But wouldn't you want to make is. sure that you proctored the MCAS exam to make sure? It, I don't know. I'm sure, assuming this, the independent this seems, exam is This not seems like an extremely poor argument against the MCAS for these purposes. I think the better argument, or the, the one that I worry a little bit more about, is if you move to the MCAS as the entrance exam and you do incentivize it, you may very well see families and teachers starting differentially investing energy in preparation for that exam relative, you know, sort of where families with higher income and higher educated parents have more ability to do that. And so, you know, uh, I want to be clear, I don't think this is a, a sort of complete solution to the problem, but, but it is very odd right now that the system uses a completely separate exam to screen students, one that no question exacerbates sort of racial gaps in who's admitted to the school and for reasons that are fairly hard to justify from any educational perspective. So let us say you, you shifted this now and you just did use the MCAS and, yeah. uh, and then uh, if you were in a private school, uh, you would take the MCAS as well? Is that the idea? So that's an interesting challenge here. And the reason it's a particular challenge is that, uh, as I understand it, according to Massachusetts state law, private school students are legally forbidden from taking the MCAS. And so one thing I want to be really straightforward about is if the district were to move to somehow using the MCAS as part of the admissions criteria, uh, there would have to be some solution for thinking about what to do with the private school students. Because uh, I don't believe 
currently they're allowed to take that exam. And so it might be that we would have to administer the independent schools exam to those students and find a way to equate scores across the two exams, which is possible to do. It would be possible, but it would be controversial probably. It would, it exactly would. Exactly what is the cut line and abs- how, how absolutely. do you equate those two? Absolutely, yeah. Um, it, it would certainly be, yeah, I mean, there are going to be challenges no matter what direction you go in. The question is whether those challenges sort of, whether the status quo is really the best of all possible worlds. And I well, think. let's say you got the state law changed and you could actually make the MCAS available to any student, uh, whether they want to take it at school or outside of school or, yeah. or whatever. Um, uh, what, would be, um, what would be the result in terms of changing the racial composition, uh, uh, putting, putting everybody on the same page, but yeah. changing the page? So, so right now our, it's the ICE exam, now it will be the MCAS, in the future the MCAS, everybody's on the same page. How, do, how much of a change in the racial composition, ethnic composition, so would you get? Our yeah. best guess is that if you use the MCAS instead of the current ICE exam to rank students, uh, that uh, you would move the Boston Latin School from being about 20% black or Hispanic, potentially up to something like 30% black or Hispanic. So, uh, you know, moving from 20 to 30% is, you know, it's, it's, not, it, it's not making the Boston Latin School look like the district as a whole, but it is certainly substantially increasing representation of minority students at the school. Um, but that 30%, going up to 30%, um, depends in some sense on... Um, hoping that the highest scoring students all select Boston Latin School. And so, so there's an interesting question. Even if you said to a student, uh, you know, you scored very highly on the MCAS, therefore we invite you to come enroll in this school, whether a student would accept that offer is a question that's a bit hard to predict. So that's assuming that if people who are eligible want, uh, want to go would, there that's at equal right. rates across ethnic groups, which that's right. maybe is all you really need to want to achieve. But and if that did happen, you, you could increase from 20% to 30%. Uh, that sounds like a pretty uh, significant change in the opportunity structure. We think so. And, uh, and, and I think the broad point is simply that uh, you know, at least according to the MCAS exam, there's a substantial number of black and Hispanic students who score very well and look academically strong relative to the Boston population, but somehow we're missing a chunk of those students. We're losing them when we have an admission system that requires a, a second exam that not all students take. When they take it, they don't always score as well because it may require a bunch of extra test preparation and money spent by families. And so I think the broad point is that there's room for improvement here without at all affecting the academic selectiveness of the schools. It's just saying, let's rank kids based on an ex- a different exam that seems a bit fairer with respect to the public school system. So um, how, how did you reach this number of 30%? What's the, how, do you, how do you get to that calculation? So what we did is we, um, we literally looked at historical fifth grade MCAS scores for students in the city of Boston, and we said, we know how many slots, how many seats there are at these exam schools and at the Boston Latin School. And so if we just took the number of seats and automatically invited the, the top, you know, let's, let's say there were 1,000 seats to give, we invited the top 1,000 students in the district, uh, you know, what fraction of those, according to MCAS scores, would be black or Hispanic? And the answer was something like 30%. Um, and so that's how we came up with the yeah, number. Yeah, but that, does that include the private school? Uh, uh, that's right. So, so we, when we did this calculation, I believe we assumed, in some sense, that the 
the number of private school kids entering Boston Latin School would basically remain the same. We sort of left that group alone and reallocated the public school seats. Oh, okay. even, even though you're yeah. absolutely right, in a new system, you'd have to think a little more carefully about that. So this is sort of abstracting away and assuming that the private school population isn't changing. So, and that could change too. Yeah, uh, if you change the system as a whole, it certainly could change. I mean, one, right. one thing we've heard, um, again, a, a, a slightly interesting aspect of the card admissions process, it's based partially on GPA, the grades that teachers assign kids in fifth and sixth grade. Um, one sort of set of anecdotes we've heard suggests that, that when set students, excuse me, when parents send their children to private schools in the city of Boston, they do so knowing, that, or at least the private schools understand that they're supposed to give high grades to those students because part of, the, part of what the parents are paying for is an improved admissions uh, probability to these schools. And grades are a thing that's very hard to rigorously so say whether they're just, objective. So why not just get rid of the GPA altogether? Because most people say that the comparability across schools of the GPA is, just doesn't exist. I, I, I would be sympathetic to that argument. But would you get much from that? I mean, when I looked at your report, I yeah. saw that just eliminating the GPA and just relying on the test alone That's right. uh, wouldn't change the composition of the exam schools all that much. No, it's true. I mean, we, you know, I don't think there's this terribly strong argument to use GPA. I understand why people want to use GPA. I think there's, there's a good argument to be made that test scores don't capture everything about a student. But GPA turns out to be a very subjective measure. Teachers and schools have very different grading criteria. Um, but you're right, that it, at least according to our calculations, GPA was, is not really the major uh, barrier to admissions here. But it might be a good thing to get rid of it for other reasons, uh, quite apart from its uh, effect on the racial composition, ethnic composition of the exam schools. It might, it might be fairer not to uh, take into account uh, things that teachers can manipulate uh, if they wish to. I, I, I think there's a strong argument for that. I agree. So what's the, been the reaction to your uh, 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 findings and reports? So there has been a wide range of reaction. Um, there are people who um, see this report and interpret it as us saying we should no longer have academic standards when admitting students to the exam schools. Um, I, I want to be very clear, that is not what we are arguing. We are simply arguing that it might be wise to use a test that all students already take rather than a, a different, the current different test. Um, uh, so that's been one, I think, um, strong reaction that I think misinterprets what we're arguing. I, I think there's a set of people who are a, a, a little bit more informed who argue that nonetheless the status quo and this independent school's entrance exam are, are still desirable because it's good to test these extra curriculum topics, um, and they measure real things. Um, there's a set of people who have been very sympathetic to, to this brief and, and clearly want to uh, change the admissions process so that it both maintains academic standards but also is more widely open to um, students across the, uh, across the district. And then, uh, you know, the, the farthest extreme is a set, of, um, a set of people who react by saying, let's just abolish the exam schools altogether. And so we've got the entire range of reactions from, no, we should keep everything the same because it's all perfect, to the system is so broken we can't fix it at all, let's just scrap it and, and start anew. So, um, you know, make of that what you will. We've, we've made enemies on all ends of the political spectrum, which probably means we're doing something right. 
So, well, listen, this is a totally fascinating topic. You have certainly shed a brand new spotlight on the Boston school system. You brought up a topic that has not been discussed before. This is a pretty significant undertaking. It's been great talking with you, Josh, about your uh, research. Thanks for having me, Paul. It's been a pleasure. So I've been speaking with Joshua Goodman, associate professor at the Harvard Kennedy School, who has just issued a report on uh, the tests that are used to decide whether or not students are to be admitted to an exam school in the city of Boston. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me every Monday at noon when our weekly podcast is released on the Education Next website.